It is a wonderful day. And again, today is the day that the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. How many of you know that God is a good God? Amen. And how many of you know that God answers prayer? Praise God. Now, I wanted to talk to you today about the subject of prayer being essential. Prayer being essential. Now, when we think about prayer, we always think about uh, praying at specific times, like maybe at the end of a of a, a tough time when we've come to the conclusion that we can't solve something within our own ability, and we end up saying, "Well, now I guess it's time to pray," or "I guess there's anything else, nothing else to do but pray." Amen. But I'm here to tell you today that prayer is extremely essential. How many of you know that prayer should be the first resort whenever facing a situation? The Bible says that we need to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not unto our own understanding and in all our ways acknowledge him and he shall direct our path. Amen. Now that sounds like it's saying in that verse that that should be the first thing we do is to acknowledge God. Put God in the plan and then watch him work it out and direct our path. Amen. So often we begin to pray at the time that we think things are so tough and things get out of hand. And so we begin to pray at that point. But don't you know, if we were to pray before we go through whatever the situation is that we're faced with, God will be in it. Amen. Praise God. And you know, it's, it's no harm in having someone else pray along with you. Why do I say that? Because the Bible says that where there are two or three gathered together, touching and agreeing in my name, I shall be in the midst of thee. Amen. We're talking about Jesus here. He's saying that if we come together on a level of agreement, praise God, that he will be in our midst. Now, would it be good to have him present with us when we're going through that something rather than to wait until we make all kinds of mistakes and blunders and so forth and then add him into our plan I think that it's a wonderful idea to put Jesus first and we can do that by praying Paul said that I pray always He prays all the time. And that don't mean that he necessarily be down on his knees praying, but he's in a a frame of mind of prayer. He's in a spirit of prayer throughout the day. And I think that's the way we should all be, in a spirit of prayer all throughout the day. Amen. Inviting the Lord into every episode of our life, every detail on our jobs, in our homes, in schools, in the grocery store, wherever we are, we need to include God in the plan. 
in a prayerful way. Amen. Prayer. What is prayer? Prayer is a form of communication to God. Amen. Now, when you're communicating with someone, you're not just telling them all about your problems or all about you, but you're also taking the time to communicate, which means that you want to listen and get an answer from that individual. In this case, we're trying to get an answer from God. So, isn't it important for us? It is very important for us to wait on God to give us an answer before we make certain moves. Now, you might say that, well, that's going to be kind of hard because some things are happening right away in our lives and we are faced with situations that are right in front of us and don't have time to wait, but we have to act upon it right away. Amen. That's why it's important for each and every one of us children of God to be in a spirit of prayer at all times. Because in that case, we are then putting God in the midst of our life, even before the trial come, even before the test come, even before the obstacle is has arrived. Prayer is essential. Amen. God bless you. Now, I've come to, to the end of this podcast. And don't forget to tune in again to the Force of Faith podcast. God bless you. Hello and greetings in the name of Jesus Christ. This is your host, Pastor Moore, and welcome once again to the Force of Faith podcast. Knowing this, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. God bless you. God bless you. Today, I wanted to share with you a thought that was on my mind. It is called the backside of the desert. Amen. And those of you who have your Bibles, if you don't mind, turn with me, if you would, to Exodus 3 and 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jephro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even Hiram. We enjoy to confront or the comfort up that comes from repetition and replication. I can prove it. Try to change something in the church and what is the first thing you hear? Pastor, we never done it that way before. Repetition and replication allows us to move ahead with no effort thought, no concentration, no pre-planning. We are too often quick to reject the idea that good things can come from change. For this reason, change often has to wait for an opportunity to sneak upon us and catch us unaware. It has to wait for us to find ourselves flailing and in uncertainty and very for answers. That was Moses' state of mind when he fled from Egypt. 
this man who had spent his academic life under the tutelage of some of the greatest minds in Pharaoh's court, groomed to become a ruler over Egypt, now found himself in a strange land. Forced to leave Egypt because he arrogantly took the law into his own hands and murdered an Egyptian. Moses once favored a pharaoh was at the ostracized wandering caste out beyond Egypt's borders. From this point his journey would be God's ordained. Clearly there was something Moses needed to learn that would never have been found in books written in by the Egyptian scribes and the teachers. Moses would have a new instructor, the God of the Hebrews, Yahweh. Everything changed. Moses now had a wife, Zipporah. He had a new job, sheep herder. The man once dressed in finery and slate to be the next pharaoh of Egypt now had a new career tending sheep and goats and also smelling like them too. Moses went from the throne room to the desert gloom. He went from the owning slaves to being a descendant of slaves. He went from all the answers to having none of the answers at all. Now if you hadn't read the scriptures, you at least seen the movie. Moses finds himself in the desert place there by the Lord. He was an isolated person in an isolated existing, tending sheep for the priests of Midian, and was far cried from being Pharaoh's favorite son. But how many of you know that our best lessons often come through unique learning experiences. Getting laid off can lead to a new and better career. Being forced to downsize can teach you the importance of saving. Tragedy can force you to learn how to lean on the Lord. Egyptians revered pharaohs, but they mocked shepherds. And Moses was now a shepherd for Jephro, his father-in-law. What did Moses do with the change in his direction? He eventually became the leader of more than a million people, Hebrew people. He led his people out of slavery. He created a nation a nation of God's chosen people. The years preceding his quest, those years in the desert would turn out to be vital for preparation for his future. And the scripture says that his training took place on the backside of the desert. What does the scripture account mean by the backside of the desert? Moses was in a desert plain 500 miles beyond the fertile delta that embodied Egypt. The desert parched 
by infrequent rain and little grass was all around him. But the blue and the Bible says that Moses went to the backside of the desert far from Midian, usually grazing area. That journey took him to a mountain called Hira, which means glowing. And this is where God's training of Moses began, on the backside of the desert. Why the backside? Why not in Midian? Or at the well? Why not near to the base camp of Moses, or where he could uh, enjoy the good meal from his family each, each, and each and every evening? What is it about the backside of the desert that drew Moses away from home? First, let us look at the fact that the backside of the desert is where we are drawn to God. God dispatches an angel to the backside of the desert and the Bible says that the angel appeared unto Moses in a flame of fire coming from a bush that was not being consumed. Some say curiosity drew him, but that was God's plan. He had to draw Moses away from the safety of familiarity and surroundings of comfort so he could get the sheep herders full attention. When God called out to him from the bush, Moses heard God. That's why God takes us to the backside of the desert experience. It's the only place where God can get our undivided attention. God speaks the loudest when we turn towards him and away from life's clutter. To become a mighty force for God, you must first become small. Yes, that's right, my friends. You must become destined. And you must become humble. Everything grand and glorious has to be taken away before God can use you for his ultimate purpose. Just like a carpenter. Refinishing an old piece of furniture. The Lord's first display of his craftsmanship is in the stripping. Beautifully and lovingly, God scrapes away the layers of worldliness in the quiet place where there are no distractions. Some of you know just what I mean. God took you to the backside of your existence so that he could see you become a precious work in his hands. The Lord is a powerful God and everything changes when it comes from the hands of God. Now you live in a place of living streams of abundance Go ahead and shout amen, somebody. Why did Moses take his father-in-law's flock to the backside of the desert? 
Was he in search of a greener pasture? Did he just want to get out of the blistening sun? No, the reason why Moses was searching for answers and the angel of the Lord led him to the only place where he could find an answer. That was the backside of the desert. How many times have the Lord led you to the backside of the desert where he could take complete control and then give you an answer for your situation? Secondly, the backside of the desert is where we receive God's instructions. For Moses, it was teaching time. In the clefts of a mountain, Moses found God's mountain where thought to contain divine inspiration. They were the focuses of pilgrimage in search of spiritual elevation. In ancient times, mountains were a universal symbol of the nearness of God. And so God spoke to Moses from the mountain of Herod. God's first instruction to Moses was to remove your shoes. The Hebrew word for remove is sheol. It means to slip off or drop off. Similar instructions were given to Joshua in Joshua 5 and 15. In this context, shoes represents all that the worldly things contain. God wanted Moses to separate himself from anything that kept him from directing contact with God's holy ground. We let a lot of stuff keep us from God's holy ground. Not just our designer shoes that prevent us from tithing. Say ouch if you feel that peach. But all the other stuff that separate us from God. Football games, hair appointments, the mall, club meetings on prayer meeting night, happy hour on Bible study night. Anything that takes precedence over the relationship with the Lord, we let the noise of our lives become the deafening that God can't get a word in elsewhere. When spiritual communication becomes critical, God has to take us to the backside of the desert, away from the, uh, the catacomb and the disharmony of the world so we can hear what he has to say. Moses had to be taught that God's great I am was the God, the Father, and God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And when God finally got through, Moses hid his face in fear. It was sure enough, ouch moment. God finally had Moses' full attention as he began to instruct him and make him his chosen leader about the critical mission that laid ahead Moses would to deliver to the children of Israel from Pharaoh's grip. Think of how great work is never accomplished for the Lord because we never make the trip to the backside 
of the desert. We never fully withdraw from the world to find God's holy ground where he can speak to our hearts and give us his heavenly instructions. There are churches that have never been built, missions, outreaches that has never been accomplished and souls that have never been saved because someone closed his his or her ears to God's instructions. Showers of blessings are missed because we don't allow ourselves to be drawn to the mountaintop. Ezekiel 34 and 26, too many who are would be called and lost in carnal activity, worldly attributes, self-motivated, lustful desires, and unholy lives. If the backside of the desert is starting to sound good to you, shout amen. Finally, the backside of the desert is where God reveals his power. God assured Moses of the task that lay ahead of him, saying, certainly I will be with thee. 3 and 12. And I'll bring you up out of an afflicted and the afflictions of Egypt, 3 and 17. We aren't always as ready to receive God's power as you would think. Moses had reservations about eloquence because he was slow of speak and of slow tone, 4 and 10 says. And in other words, he stuttered. It angered God that Moses still did not trust his power. So he told Aaron to accompany Moses for the moral support. In chapter 4, 14 through 15, where we see that God also knew that Moses was afraid of the Egyptians who might still be searching to kill him. So he told him, all the men are dead would sought thy life. 4 and 19. Praise God. Hallelujah. The early Christian church had the same problem Moses had. They had reservations about God's power. They were afraid to exercise God's power among the people for fear of failure. Paul had to tell the church at Corinth, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Corinthians 3 and 16. God is a confident builder. He does not send us in a den full of lions without an armor. He empowers us not with our own might, but with his might. He takes us away from our fears and by the Spirit, He replaces them with His power and gives us His air of spiritual lungs, His strength for our spiritual weakness, His assurance for our spiritual anxiety, and His inspiration for our spiritual exhaustion. 
on the backside of the desert, God teaches us that we are never alone. Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always, even until the ends of the world. Matthew 28 and 20. So if your desert life is giving you trouble, go to the backside of the desert and draw nigh to God. He will draw nigh to you. Withdraw to the backside of the desert where burdens are lifted and needs are met. Lives are changed and bodies are healed. Sins are confessed and sorrows are removed. Nerves are settled and differences are dissolved. Hearts are touched and blessings are released. Demons are overthrown and frustrations are eradicated. Problems are solved and hopes are restored. Doubts are destroyed and fears are banished. Confusion and cleared and questions are answered. Emotions are stirred and ministries are inspired. Minds are enlightened and temptations are overcome. Souls are encouraged and saints of God are enriched and empowered. Go to the backside of the mountain and continue with the Lord. God bless you. That's the end of this segment. We thank God for you listening to us today. And please tune in again to the Force of Faith podcast. May God bless you and may riches and his best be yours.